Now you're very welcome along to our final garden program ah. oh, what's it? <laughs> for 2020 good morning well there? i don't yeah. know maybe it's, as, um, no 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 tears <laughs> of joy not at all no we shall miss we shall miss this routine i'll tell you of a saturday morning but anyway we'll take full value out of the next hour good morning porek good morning dear and good morning listeners we're going out with a bang anyway with the windy stormy aiden isn't it a storm aiden yeah. yeah um it's it's kind of it's come a bit intermittent i think i, mm. I did have an extraordinary shower of rain um, prior to coming in this morning which really slowed me down in my tracks altogether but then it was back and I see I look out the window now and I see a little bit I see a little bit of blue sky out there so you know um, but anyway she look as we'll deal with it in the best way that we can yeah and the good news is that from midweek we're back to kind of better weather from Wednesday Thursday frost at night times when and when we get the frost we get the high pressure so it'd be nice sunny days with frosty weather at night so for listeners with tender plants those geraniums and you know tender fuchsias or anything that's um that needs a bit of protection for the winter. Uh, over the next couple of days, my advice is either lift them and bring them in, cut them back and bring them in, or at at, at best, take some cuttings uh, from them now. So any of your tender plants, things like salvia, hot lips or geraniums in particular, or tender fuchsias, anything like that that needs to be protected for the winter, then this week would be a good time because the frost on Wednesday or, or Thursday is going to see them off. So yes, ten- right. Yeah, yeah, tender plants will be. Um, and pr- in particular now with the stormy weather as well, um, apples are going to fall over the next day, Halloween of course. Of course. It's the time to really start picking the, the, uh, the apples uh, before they start getting knocked about with the wind and we're going to see a lot of leaf litter down so probably a great time to start composting that we talked about last week it would be a perfect time now to start gathering those up in the you know the next coming days and starting uh, a compost heap but but definitely um I suppose with the wind in particular it's a good idea and with the frost coming it would be a good idea too uh, start protecting those tender plants. Okay. We've had a good run of it, in fairness. We have. I mean, and even this morning is very mild, which 10, is, I mean, 14 degrees, yeah, yeah. I said 14 degrees when I was yeah, coming so. in earlier. So, um, like, while the midday is wet and windy, for sure, it's not, we're not there at that cold uh, snap yet, but it's it's on the cards. It's on the way, and, and, and Met Aaron have, have um, promised frost for during the week, so it's no harm maybe just to take the, the cue from that and mm-hmm. over the next couple of days protect uh, tender plants. Funny enough, I was looking at um, social media this morning and I see Luke O'Neill, who is, uh, as you know, the Trinity College. Professor, yes. Yeah, immunologist. He's recommending that for the winter, people keep plants indoors to create humidity. Um, So what he's saying is try to avoid kind of dry air over the winter period for coronavirus. So oh, so from an immunologist's just perspective. perspective. Yeah, he's saying that moist air, that the virus doesn't travel as quickly. So he's advising people. It's a very good article that um, he featured. I think he had an interview with Pat Kenny in News Talk this week and they were chatting about plants and keeping plants indoors okay. for the winter period and in particular that they create this sense of humidity. And of course, plants indoors take in carbon dioxide and excrete oxygen, but more importantly, they transpire water. They're taking up water that you're you're giving them and they're spreading that in the atmosphere. So plants in a bathroom situation, for example, plants really do very, very well because they they're giving off um, moisture all the time and in sitting rooms and so on. So I thought it was just interesting that he's he's backing... Backing, <laughs> backing, backing a gardening yeah, perspective. Yeah, yeah. And plants take in CO2 and... Ex- excrete oxygen. oxygen. Yeah, all plants excrete yeah. oxygen. What we breathe, the plants are obviously, and, and therefore, you know, the rainforests are, are so important in, from climate change perspective because uh, they store so much carbon 
uh, trees in, in their, their mm-hmm. trunks so and in their roots. They absorb carbon dioxide and they, they excrete oxygen. And, and that's why plants are, um, they're, they're always nice to have in the home. But, but he's advising from a humidity point of from view a humidity, to help, right. help to keep the air in the, in the rooms moist. Uh, relatively moist um, that plants would be a very good option. Okay, excellent. And I agree with them. <laughs> I'm quite sure you do. On that very theme then, um, I suppose week into the whole lockdown situation. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so... So garden centres around the country, I suppose, um, would be, you know, classed as, as, as uh, non-essential except in the instance where they have essential products like pet pet departments so garden centres for example that have pets um, or garden centres that are dealing with landscapers or contractors or, or schools or whatever they have remained or they've kept those departments open so for but, but most garden centres local garden centres check in with them because most of them have call and collect so you can phone your local garden centre and if you need plants or bulbs or whatever they'll organise that for them and you can call and collect um, or indeed you can for many of them they have an online presence as well so yeah. pop onto the web and uh, you get a home delivery and again any pretty a lot of plants apart from maybe some of the more tender plants but particularly bulbs and, and elephant garlic that we talked about last week and French garlic and onion seeds and all of that can still be shipped so check online uh, hawkins.ie is my website but again check with your local garden centre they'll have um, a website and check in with them some are open and some have closed for so for with Hawkins we have closed our smaller stores in Sligo Castle or Sligo Galway and the Glen of the Downs our Castle Bar store remains open for call and collect web and also for pet supplies yeah. yeah so if people need pet supplies they can drop into the store but check with your local garden centre that's the way yeah. it's going okay so it's kind of uh, yeah in, in an individual situation yeah. so yeah. Good, good good advice there so okay so we have the breeze and we have the frosty weather coming and what else are we going to be doing well, then because we are still very much at home for lots of people we are indeed and, and, and for the next four weeks like November really dear is all about um, the bare root season the planting of hedges in particular is always done in November now obviously we've got to get the weather the weather at the moment is quite wet um, but you know up to the last couple of days w- weather conditions were very good so my advice if you're thinking of putting in hedging in particular and particularly beach hedging then November is the time for that but you can be preparing the soil if once we get a bit of dry weather and by that I mean if you're planting beach or hedging say into a lawn area it's a good idea to treat that area with a little bit of wheat free 360 to get rid of any vegetation so the next dry day you could treat the area and then about the middle of November the beach plants become available so once they go dormant once they've dropped their leaves that's the time that we get into what we call the bare root season so it's, it's a matter of those beech trees becoming available and being available right through till March but also the planting of other hedging plants, laurels and Escalonia and, and so on, Portuguese laurel can be planted through the month of November and okay. into early December. And the planting of fruit trees as well, again we're coming into the time of year for planting fruit and, and many plants, um, you know strawberry plants for example, can be planted this time of year they're perfectly hardy out of doors and if anything they need that cold chill period to initiate flower buds to help them fruit next year. So the planting of all fruit, not just strawberries, but raspberries and blackcurrants and gooseberries and top fruit like apples, pears, plums, cherries is done during the month of November, early December, simply because plants initiate roots over the winter period. So if you plant a plant at this time of year or through November, the roots start to grow. So if you were to lift a daffodil bulb today that was planted a month ago, it'll be a mass of white roots already. So 
there's lots of things happening beneath the soil. So plants are rooting away all through the winter period and therefore you've got a stronger plant coming into the spring of next year. So I would always prefer to plant in autumn rather than spring, simply because you've got two or three months of root activity. Even though the plant is doing nothing above soil, there's lots happening beneath the soil. Now, when planting trees, in particular in fruit trees, make sure you stake them well, secure them well with with ties. Um, So so that's that's something that should be done through November. The tidying up of the garden, so once we get the frost, a lot of plants will start to go out of flower. Um, So the pruning back of kind of summer flowering shrubs like fuchsia and hypericum and bodleia can be done right through November. Indeed, rose can be pruned generally in November if they've gone out of flower. So right. if the flowers have gone off them and you know it's you're just back to kind of leaves and, and bits of stems and no sign of any flower buds uh, being produced then prune back the roses, tidy them up put on the winter wash which again helps to clean the roses and indeed fruit trees if you're pruning them. You can put the winter wash on during November and that cleans them of any uh, pest Right. Uh, particularly eggs, uh, eggs of, of pests and pests themselves. And so that's quite good, the winter wash. And indeed, if you're clearing out your greenhouse or polytunnel, using the winter wash on the soil is a good idea as well. It's a natural product. It's not a pesticide. It's often used by the organic people. And basically what it does, it just controls any aphid eggs and aphids themselves. Um, so you're starting kind of with a clean plate then coming into the spring of, of next year. Um, again, I mentioned the top of the programme when we mentioned last week the elephant garlic, garlic in, in French garlic and all the edible bulbs are planted at this time of year as well. Rhubarb is planted at this time of year. And again, if we do get some good weather, the division of plants so again, November is a time when we propagate plants by splitting them up and dividing them, like hostas, like rhubarb, um, like perennial asters, those plants that tend to spread naturally. It's a great time in November to literally chop them up with an axe and spread them into other areas. Other areas, and, okay. And that. So, so generally that's the, and composting, of course, we talked about it, that as well. And for listeners that have purchased their bulbs over the last couple of weeks, get them into the ground or if, if nothing else, put them into pots. So pot them up, right. get them, leave them outside, don't leave them in the bags, try to get them into pots. And the great thing about having them in pots is then you can choose where to plant them in the springtime when they come into flower. But don't be leaving them lying around. They need to be getting into the soil now to initiate those roots to come into flower um, for for, um, for springtime. springtime. And also the repotting of plants. So indoor plants can be repotted at this time of year through November. If you are repotting plants, remember you can repot into the same pot, but also cut back on the watering, particularly newly planted pots. Because you have a lot of fresh compost around the base of the plant, they can get wet very quickly. So just repot them, but just cut back a little bit on the watering and cut back on the feeding of indoor plants at this time of the year to give them a kind of a little bit of a rest period. Okay. Even though they're, they're still growing, don't let them go bone dry, but keep them semi-dry through the winter period. And of course, November is always the time for the, taking the cuttings of plants, what we call hardwood cuttings. So if you want some of your favourite plants propagated, this is the time of year. Take them foot long, strip off the leaves and flowers and um, put them into some gritty compost with a bit of rooting powder and they'll have rooted by the following spring. And you can do that for pretty much... Pretty much all plants, plants. All plants. And you can take them extra long uh, during no- November. So roses, hydrangeas, buddleias, hypericums, all your favourite garden plants. Hedging plants, a wide range of he- hedging plants can be propagated. Or indeed tender plants like the geraniums we mentioned. Yes. But they need to be kept then indoors or in a greenhouse or polytunnel uh, covered with fleece out of the... If frost gets them, they'll die. Okay. And if you keep them too wet over the winter, they'll die as well. 
So keep them semi-dry and keep them in a frost-free location. So really, November is about propagating and it's about protection. Yeah, and planting. The planting particularly of um, of all the fruit trees, the hedging plants, trees in general. If you want some nice trees in your garden, November is... November would traditionally, when I started a garden many years ago, we didn't have plants in pots. So autumn was always the busiest time of the year because nurseries were lifting their trees once yeah. they went dormant. We hadn't... We hadn't plants in pots at the, back, back, back We weren't gone fancy. A couple of decades. Yeah, we weren't that fancy. So autumn was always kind of nature's time or, and, and the, the, the garden centre time for planting trees, shrubs, hedging plants and fruiting trees in particular. Okay. Yeah, millipedes. We'll come back to those, Porek, uh, in a moment. But I need to address a question that came in at a really early hour prior to me even arriving this morning. Um, so a photograph sent in from Bernie. Good morning to you, Bernie. Um, and can we ask Porik why the tops of leaves on my two-year-old common laurels are turning brown? The lower leaves are healthy. I fed them over the spring and summer with Osmo Pro 6. They Excellent. border a road with lots of passing lorries. Okay. So, And it's kind of a close-up. So Yeah, and it's a little bit brown right yeah. at the very tips of, of the laurel and the, the rest of the plant is, is lovely and healthy. And Bernie did the right thing. The Osmo Pro 6 is perfect, normally spring and early summer. All you're seeing there is, is a bit of weather damage on the leaves. So the leaves of laurel, particularly the young leaves, um, they'll get damaged even, you know, autumn, early winter with just cold winds and, and windy weather. And there's a little bit of scorch damage, leaf damage on them. I would just trim that back and Bernie could do that now. Okay. Hedge trimmers out, just give it a tidy back um, and it'll it'll stay dormant for the winter and come back into leaf again next spring perfectly fine. Now, this was another early one as well. Uh, could you please ask Porik? I live in Belmullet, right in front of the sea um, and I'd really like to see some shrubs or trees to grow in large pots, one each side of the front door. Um, could you advise, please, asks James. Is okay, that well, is, uh, pots, uh, trees and pots uh, and windy locations? Well, you can get plants that will tolerate uh, the wind and obviously it depends if they're in pots, the beauty of having them in pots, that you can put them in a relatively sheltered spot. So if James can create, you know, a little bit of shelter for them, if you want something evergreen, the skimmias would be lovely. Skimmia rubella or skimmia uh, obsession or evergreen flowering beautiful berries at, at the moment and we give lovely colour in pots and you, you need reasonable size pots so the pot should be 18 inches to 2 feet wide by roughly about 2 feet high use an ericaceous compost and plant the the, uh, the skimmias into that um, hydrangeas will do very well in, in, in seaside areas and particularly the pinaculata family the, the varieties like bobo or phantom now phantom is still in flower uh, at the moment and will go on probably you know again until we get the really hard weather and it's a very easy the pinaculata varieties are very easy to grow because you can just prune them back like a rose bush in the spring and, mm. they, and they regrow they're slightly different to the old mop head type and that bobo is a particularly short variety which does brilliantly in pots um, so they'd be good. Senecio grey eye is another good plant for um, for coastal areas, for particularly if it's a windy. It's got silver foliage. Um, it's actually in the same family as the um, angel wings that that uh, we talked about before. Yep. So Senecio grey eye is a smaller leaf variety with yellow flowers. So look for some seaside plants, typical plants that you'd grow in seaside areas. I think at this time of year, if you're planting them up, James, and you can give them a little bit of shelter, I think you won't beat the skimmias for a bit of colour for, for the autumn. Winter. Hey, great. Um, and we had a skimmia in studio last week, did we? I had Reversiana, which is a short variety, right. a really short one, which would be nice again if it's a small pot. But Obsession is that little bit taller and Rubella is a really nice one as well. And it's got beautiful scent. Okay, so we have a, a picture here. Um, maple. And I think the question is, can we 
identify the name of the tree uh, that that they've uh, planted it. So it's a lo- lovely. Uh, yeah, it looks tree. like a Japanese maple. It's a bit it's a bit in the distance there, but it's got lovely um, autumnal red foliage color. Maples have kind of similar to kind of a palm shaped uh, leaf, and they have beautiful colors at the moment. So it looks like a Japanese maple, just close up, but we can't yep. get close into it really. Uh, um, or if the listener wants to send us maybe a close-up of, of the leaf, leaf and we just see, but from a distance, that's what it, it okay, looks we, like. We now, many yeah. trees are giving really good autumn colour. You know, some of the sorbus re- would resemble that as well. Um, Joseph Rock is beautiful this, this autumn with lovely red colour. Okay. Well, it's definitely something in that in that family, that family anyway. Yeah. Now, we have millipedes. Uh, have. Look closely at a nest of millipedes. How do you get rid of them, asks Mary. And um, sometimes I think, oh, there's not that many, but there's quite, there's quite a few here. There's an army of, of millipedes. Yeah, we were, yeah, we were debating as what to what the collective noun for a, a group of millipedes is. Um, so Porik suggests army and alcohol. Army and well, This picture <laughs> certainly bears that out. So look at millipedes. You, you often get them at this time of year coming up against walls, house walls and shed walls. Um, if, if the listener uses some ant powder, which will be available in, in your local garden centre or hardware store, um, that will control them. You simply just shake it on the, ba- on the base of the soil, ideally in dry weather, and they pick it up. It's like flour. They pick it up in their bodies and, and that controls them. Um, you know, as I've said many times, millipedes don't do really a whole lot of damage. They eat a lot of leaf litter in the gardens. Um, they're a little bit, a bit like um, wood lice. Um, can attack young seedlings and greenhouses, but overall they don't do damage to plants. So if you can bear with them, they'll, they'll disappear within a couple of days, maybe a week. Oh, that quickly they'll, they'll, go back, they'll go back into the garden again. Um, so if you can bear with them and if they're not coming into the house, I'd be glad to leave them alone. Okay. To be honest. I can, but yeah. I appreciate there's quite a few in that. Oh, there's a lot there In that gathering, our army or whatever <laughs> yeah. a, a group of millipedes are called. Right, we're moving on to um, Williamstown and a couple of photographs sent in again. Uh, so good morning. Do we have a name here? Not sure that we do. That's was by the by. So first question here relates to a camellia porek mm. and it's been planted for a few years. Never seemed to do very well. Every autumn the soil is well dug around it. Old farm yard manure put in. Flowered early in the year. Not many flowers. Fed with miracle grow. Suitable for camellias and magnolias. And sprayed with bug killer. So wow. lots of care. Should we lift it? <laughs> it? We had a weeping willow in this spot for years. It got diseased. And if we should replace this, could you please advise, would we put in a cherry blossom? Would that work? They need something that will thrive easily. Yeah. There's also a question on begonias, which we'll touch on in a moment. Yeah, and, and uh, you could replace it with a, certainly a cherry would be quite nice. Um, you know, one of the maybe Prunus Charite or, or one of those that don't grow too big. But in, in relation to the camellia, it's actually planted out in the lawn. So first of all, the digging around it every autumn is not advisable. Camellias are surface rooting plants, a bit like rhododendrons and azaleas. And that constant digging in the autumn, you're actually damaging the root structure. So camellias are a plant that we never dig around. Now you can certainly put a mulch of the farmer manure on it each year. And that's an excellent idea because farmer manure by its nature is acidic. Ah. So it's adding nutrition and it's also giving those perfect conditions for camellias. Having it out in the in the lawn as well, I would advise to, to move it. Camellias are, are woodland plants and they need a little bit of um, shelter, but they also need a little bit of shade. So maybe move it into a shrub border or maybe into a really big pot 
um, but somewhere that's a little bit more sheltered and a little bit more shaded, it's out literally in the in the lawn. Now, the cherry will do so much better there, but stop the digging around it. Now, this would be the time to move it. Mm. So dig it up, transplant it, um, move it into more. They, they have a shrub border right at the front that seems to be shaded, shaded by, yeah. by a couple of trees. That would be a perfect location for it. So the plant is still very healthy. It must be four feet wide. It's about... Three yeah, to four like feet it's high. quite a strong, quite a strong plant. plant. But the digging around the base and the fact that it's out in the literally out in the middle of the lawn is not doing it any good. So my advice, and to, and not I was going to say today, but not today, but this time of year would be an ideal time to transplant it. So over the next week or ten days, dig it up, transplant it, continue with the mulching of the organic matter, but stop the digging around the base. And you can see how how much it has been dug around the base. Yeah. Things. So stop that because that's that's. That's disturbing you're, it. Yeah, you're pruning the roots back constantly so they have to regrow again and it's not doing it any so good. So it's, it's struggling all the yeah, time with yeah. that. doesn't need that. Okay, great. And uh, we also have a photograph of some begonias here as well and the question being, uh, how do I try to save non-stop begonias? Yeah, so these are the non-stop, which are absolutely bl- brilliant and live up to their name. I mean, they're, they, they're non-stop flowering from June right through. I mean, these are still in flower as we come into November and will stay in flower until we get the really hard frost. So maybe the frost of Wednesday or Thursday will will knock them back but as soon as it does and as soon as they go brown um, then just clean off the foliage you'll find a bulb in the pot so the listener has one, two, three different colours yellow, white and pink so there's three or four bulbs there literally just lift them take them out of the pot uh, clean off as much soil as possible dress them with some yellow sulphur so it's a powder, You just it's a fungicide, you just uh, dress it onto the bulbs themselves, wrap them in newspaper and stick them in the garage for the winter. And remember, next spring, to repot them, you can divide them in two or three pieces and start the whole process off again. Brilliant. So there's a great example of plants that will, if you leave them out for the winter, they're just they're going just to get, gonna... they'll die and the root, the bulbs will rot. Whereas, you know, you can save them and bring them Wrap them up in newspaper, literally, and just chuck them in the garage. Brilliant. Now, we have a question about black spot on an Escalonia hedge. So, it's very bad, we're told. And listener wondering here, do they need to replace the hedge because spraying for the black spot doesn't appear to yeah, be working? Yeah, and, and Escalonia, over the last five or six years, has, has been suffering it from a, a disease on the leaf. It's a it's a, a scab-like or, or mildew-like uh, brown speckling on okay. the leaves. You'll find the Escalonia will drop its leaves early in the year, and, and that will progress get worse and unfortunately you know particularly when we get wet weather like we've had this wet autumn uh, August and September you tend to get more of the Escalonia blight on on the actual leaf itself um, so you look at if it's very bad you, and the listener can replace it with something else then for example Grisolinia or laurel are not affected, beech is not affected um, by that particular disease. So um, Escalonias around the country, if you're seeing those speckled leaves and the leaves are dropping in particular and look sickly and yellowish, then it has that um, Escalonia blight. And and yeah, long term, they'd be better to replace Replace them. Yeah. Okay. Now we've got a photograph of an apple tree this time and it's got a reasonably fair amount of moss on it. Fine apple tree. Fine apple tree. So wondering, what can I do with my apple trees? They've a lot of moss on. I remember as a child, my granddad used to put something like whitewash on. My apples were also very blemished on the skin this year, but when they were peeled, they were perfect, says Patricia. Yeah, and, and I've said that many times that, that you know, the, the damage on apples is only skin deep, that once you take the skin off, they're perfectly edible. And if you are harvesting apples, remember to, to use and eat those that are slightly blemished first. Um, in term, In relation to the moss, years ago, we used to use tar oil 
which was a, a spray that you put onto the on the trees in winter time, which got rid of all mosses and algae and and pests and so on. And that's not available anymore. Um, now you can use the winter wash, but it won't get rid of the moss. What I would actually use to get rid of the moss is a little bit of zero. You know the zero we oh, use yes. in the lawns? Yeah. You can use that on your trees as well. So wait for the tree to go out a leaf, which will be another two to three weeks. Mix up a little bit of zero in a, a, a spray machine and just put it onto the trunk of the tree and it'll get rid I of the moss for you. Now the moss isn't doing a whole lot of harm, to be honest. Yeah. Um, so you do tend to get a certain amount of pests will hide in it and use it kind of for camouflage and cover for the winter. So, you know... It's not doing a whole lot of damage, to be honest. Yeah. If you could, if you could bear with it, and and the and the trees are doing well, and they're not being attacked by anything, I be, I think it's fabulous on them. I mean, it does, it does have a really lovely well. look. Yeah, yeah. That it has that cottage garden type. It does. Yes. Uh, look about it, I suppose. Yeah. So, so the question is, is there anything living in the moss that well, is dangerous, be. or would they be beneficial? Well, the, the moss itself is not parasitic. It's not doing any. It's using the tree for support, like moss growing on a wall, on a wall or whatever, and um, so. You know, but but you tend you do get, and that's why we used to years ago. Uh, the, the advice was always to use the winter tar oil to get rid of the moss and algae because pests. But to be honest, if the tree is growing well and the apples are doing well, I think it looks great. Okay. To be honest. Great. <laughs> <I'd> leave uh, it. <laughs> now, um, I think we had another apple tree question. No, we'll we stay had, with yeah. them for a second. Which actually, is interesting. this is kind of an observation, perhaps as much as a question. My apple tree says flowers. Global warming, or is there another reason? Yeah, so you can see the picture yeah. here, and the, the apples, the apples, pink, the flower buds, pink buds. Yeah, and and the the buds have actually opened. So it's like if the picture was taken in March or April, the flowers are actually on the plant already. And we often see this in autumn time, particularly a mild autumn like we're having. You'd often get rhododendrons, azaleas, camellias coming into flower um, in the autumn because when you think about it. We've got spring-like weather in the autumn and the trees are responding to that. So apple trees form their flower buds in the autumn. So the buds are already on the plant. And when you get mild weather like we're having, they're fooled into thinking it's springtime and you'll always get a couple to open, particularly with such a mild winter. So it's, yeah, it's probably a little bit of global warming. I mean, the temperatures, we're not seeing the frost we used to see many years ago um, and the plants are just responding because they think it's springtime. They'll be fine. You'll only find a few will come into flower. There's nothing, no need to do anything. Um, and when temperatures dip, they'll all pause. They're all, they'll, they absolutely, they'll go dormant again. And you you tend to find it, just a couple, a couple of branches will come into flower, but the rest of the buds will stay perfectly fine. Yes, but we, we, we tend to have heightened awareness as well, of course, just of the wider environmental picture at the minute. Exactly. So, uh, it's, it, it's easy to understand how people are, you know, wonder about these things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and great question. Now, we have a pot and we've got some flowers in the pot. Uh, flower bed, actually, I beg your pardon. Mm. Early summer and the flowers are only dying off now, wondering what they might be. So these are dahlias. This is a dwarf white flowering dahlia, which, you know, dahlias are fantastic. They're good. A bit like the begonias. They just literally keep on giving. And they tend to stay in flower again until we get the really hard weather. So again, same procedure as the... um, as the begonia, you know, you can take the risk and leave the dahlias in the soil, but you do take a risk. Right. Um, so if you're going to leave the, the bulbs in the soil, my advice is always to mulch them, put a, a mulch of bark or compost over the top of the plant once it has died back. But you do take a risk. If you lift them and store them again in the in the newspaper with a, bit, a little bit of sulphur, mm. it gives you the opportunity a, to st- save them, but also then to propagate them in the spring. So like splitting a potato in two, right. uh, dahlia forms a tuber which you can split into two or three pieces and hence and get two or go. three. So from that one plant, yeah. you could have five or six new plants, okay. which will grow exactly the same height, that have the same flower, 
they're behaving exactly the same way. Okay, I have, have, yeah. I have these very lovely pink ones and this it, year. And it only takes 10 minutes yeah. to, to lift them. So my advice really is wait, let it die back. Once it does, dig it up, shake off any soil, little bit, let it dry out, a little bit of sulphur, uh, fungicide on it, powder, and then wrap it up and use paper. And store away for... And store away and you have it then for next year. Now, wildflower seeds, wondering, do they reseed themselves the following year or do you need to sow it again fresh for the next year? No, they, 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 they tend to reseed. Well, it's important that you let them reseed. So you let the seeds form and then let them fall. And at that stage, then trim off the old kind of stems from the plants. And that's important because if you just allow them to wither and die back, they add nutrition to the wildflower bed and that actually impedes the growth of wildflowers. So wildflowers are, should always be grown hungry and, and they tend to do better the hungry their soil is. So at this time of year, you should be strimming off any of the stems that are there. Plant some spring bulbs, so put in some daffodils and snowdrops just to add to the colour. Mm. And if you want to add to the display. So for example, if it's if it's predominantly cornflowers that you have or oxide daisy and you want to induce maybe some red poppies, then this is a good time of year to sow the seeds of some other wildflowers just to add to the overall colour. So you can certainly add extra seed and you can add extra bulbs at this time of year if you just want to add add to the overall colour of the bed. Okay. But most of them will reseed again quite quite easily. Great stuff. We're going to kill a few things here. One, shoot. Yeah, let's kill the uh, roots of ivy. How do we do that? And ivy. I can make a very strong case for keeping ivy. Do you want okay, me to do well, that? Okay, well, sure. Look as if it makes you A happy. brilliant plant for bees, particularly at this time of year. It's coming into flower and bees absolutely love it. Um, it's a great medicinal plant as well. But if you need to control it, if you use something like um, any of the brushwood killers will, will control it um, or even the Wheat Free 360. But remember, it is a, a, a like I love ivy because it, it also is great for birds. I have it on my garage wall. And I think I said this before, mm. I must have six or eight or nine maybe families of birds that go into it every year and, and build their nest and, and have their young. So I have to be careful when I trim it. Trim it okay. but it's a great, brilliant plant. But yeah, if you need to get rid of it, you know, okay. a, 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 one of the proprietary um, uh, root root stump killers will do it. Or oh, brushwood killers brush will killers. kill us, yeah. Okay, lovely. Uh, now we have wireworm and potato and mustard. Wondering, will mustard seed keep it away from the wireworm? Okay, and what, great, what's that a great question. So we, wireworm, we've, 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 I think we've talked about it for the last we couple have, of weeks. We have, we've a lot of questions on wireworm. So, so wireworm is the larvae of the click beetle. And, and in Ireland, there's about 30 or 40, maybe 50 different varieties of click beetle. Um, and generally damages potatoes by boring through the actual potato itself. Mustard seed is often used as a green manure. So you often hear me talking about different varieties of green manure like phacelia and red clover. And mustard is also a a green manure, but it gives off a very pungent smell, mustard smell, which wireworm dislike. So it's often used in organic gardening to sow a crop of mustard for generally one to two years to get rid of the wireworm. Um, so it acts like a, a fumigant. Yes. The actual smell of the of the mustard, very very strong, and you get that from the plant as well, and you get it from the seed when it's growing. Um, so it's a good idea if you are thinking about putting potatoes, particularly into new ground, maybe to grow some mustard, or indeed to grow mustard with potatoes. And you can sow the seeds when you're planting the potatoes, and the smell of it helps to keep them away. Now it's not a uh, it's, it's, it's not, not a it's guaranteed 100% mm. it's going to keep them away but it definitely has and, and research shows um, that it does it does work particularly in the second year at controlling the amount of wireworm damage and again you'll get mustard seed in 
garden centres. It's generally sold as a as a green manure, right. and it's a great plant anyway to add yeah. to the soil. It's not it something you hear of that all that, that very often. No, no. Well, it, yeah, it's it, it probably isn't. No, but it's it, that's where we get our mustard yeah. our mustard from. from. So it's it's so you sow the seed in springtime when you're planting the potatoes, and it's that companion planting idea. Mm. You know, often planting marigolds to keep aphids away from tomatoes and, and so on. Um, so you can use mustard with potatoes. It has a help. A controlling effect, but it's not a it's not magic a prevent, bullet. It's not a, it's a control rather than a pre- prevention. It is. It kind of yeah. It helps to prevent, but it's not going to keep all the wireworm away. Perfect. Um, just to share with people, uh, a listener has told us that they have an Andelwin begonia. Yeah. Uh, yeah. About forty years old and oh doing well. God. So that goes to show you. Yeah, that's yeah. it. You can keep them for many, many, many years. Um, and the main thing, what, what we find with begonias in in particular, is that the. Um, not the wireworm, but the uh, Something. vine weevil. Vine weevil. The vine weevils get them in the winter. If you leave them in the pots or in the soil, the vine weevils just get in. And, they like and the, the tuber eat what They do, and the maggots just eat them. So they're always better taken out of the soil. Now, we have a white thorn hedge that is set two years. It's tired and didn't do well this year at all. Is there a winter feed I could put on it to give it a bit of life, or should I trim and should I have trimmed it back this year? Well, it's only two years old, um, and trimming will help to thicken the, the white thorn hedge. Now, look, white thorn is, is one of the easiest plants of all to grow. Um, Feeding, no, we don't feed plants at this time of year. So plants are going into a dormant period and, and they're dropping their leaves and, and literally going asleep. Um, feeding them will only wake them back up again and make them soft. But a light bit of trimming back, certainly you trim the sides and the top of the white thorn hedge and that'll help to thicken it. And next spring, that's the time to feed it in April and again in May and use the Osmo Pro 6 feed and that'll, 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 that'll move it on. Sometimes plants, you know, when you put in young plants, they, they t- take a year or so just to settle in. You know, so don't expect a kind of a, a, burst. a burst of growth in year one. They tend to do a lot of root activity and that's why autumn planting is generally better. If you can get them in in the autumn, you get that three or four month period. If you're planting in the spring, they're trying to initiate and, and develop roots before the top growth starts. So they can be a little slower. <laughs> now, we have somebody growing an orange tree. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Only for the leaves, they say. And oh. good morning to you, not the fruit. How is it best to do this? Just an experiment. I'm a very amateur gardener from Belmullet and I think a chemist as well. So uh, answers keep safe, everybody. But orange tree. Yeah, quite. well, there anything in the citrus family, lemons, oranges, um, kumquats, any of those can be grown. Um, but no, first of all, they're frost sensitive, so they have to be inside for the winter period. They're certainly perfectly happy out of doors during the summer and in Belmullet they do really, really well as long as you give them a little bit of shelter. So you can sow them from the pips from fruits. You can buy plants of orange plants or, or lemon plants. Generally for the winter, they're kept in a conservatory, green, you know, maybe a heated greenhouse or kind of a bright room. So they need plenty of brightness um, and they're relatively dormant for the winter period. So you cut back on the watering, cut back on the feeding, kind of rest them for the winter and they, they kick back into growth then the following spring. But they're, they're really easy to grow. As I say, you can put them out of doors from April, early May, onwards, leave them out until September, early October and take them back in, you know, around this time of year you bring them back in before we get into the frost and you'll have them for many, many years. And how big do they grow? Well, I mean, they can grow literally six feet, eight feet if you let them but you can keep them quite small. They're very slow growing 
And if you're growing it from a pip, for it to get to four feet or three feet, it will take it 10 years. Right. So they're not vigorous and by any means. Do they need, like, will they, or is it like apples where they come into blossom? Is there the yeah, orange yeah, they produce blossom? Yeah, they produce the white flowers in springtime. They set and then it can often take up to 18 months to two years for the actual fruit to ripen fully. So you're a bit like the fig trees mm. I mentioned before, you'll often have the, the young, small embryo fruit on them and then they, they develop the following season. Um, but yeah, they flower in the spring and, and set their fruit. And How interesting. Yeah, yeah. well, we're okay, growing. Well, you grow them just as a novelty as a plant, novel, as think, an indoor yeah. plant for the winter, out for the summer. And see how we go. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, excellent, excellent idea. Um, now, a question about stromboli roses from Dolores. Um, it's a lovely rose, yeah. So, wondering, uh, where can I get stromboli roses and when to plant? Also, I have a mulberry tree about 12 years old and I've never had any fruit on it. Do I need another tree? Okay, well, mulberries are very slow to fruit anyway. They're very shy to fruit. Some varieties, um, like the black mulberry, is self-fertile. It'll bear fruit on the on its own. White mulberries need pollinators. So it depends on the variety that the listener has. Um, so, but but they but they tend to take quite a number of years. I mean, it's not uncommon for them to be 12 or 15 years years before they start settling down to fruiting. They tend to do a lot of growing for those years and then settle down. Um, so depending on the variety what the listener could do, particularly in the springtime, is give it some potash. That'll help to slow down the growth and induce it into flowering. Um, but a, a lovely plant and in relation to the stromboli, right. that's a floribunda rose. It's often used for hedging. It's a beautiful red flowering um, multi-headed rose which will grow anything up to about 6 feet. So you use it for hedging or screening oh, wow. or as a shrub rose. Mm. Now, this is a good time. November would be the time to start looking um, for all roses that are sold as bay root. So leave it for about another two or three weeks and then check with your local garden centre. They should be able to get you Stromboli roses anytime through November, December, kind of January period okay. as bay root plants. So they're the kind of thing that can be ordered? They can be ordered, absolutely. Yeah, and okay. you're coming normally mid-November from then on you should be able to get them. Get them, okay. So just coming into that At a good time, time for planting roses in general, I, I never mentioned that, that at the start of the programme. November is also an excellent time for the planting and will be a traditional time for planting roses in your garden. Okay, great. So you can add that to your list for this yeah. coming week. Um, now, I have a lilac tree. It's set four years, but only about three feet high. No branches at the bottom, just a few leaves at the top. I didn't prune back this year or last. A small flower came on it this year. What can I do? Is there a feed I can give it? Also, there's a lot of moss on it already. Oh, we're back to the lawn there. Okay, well, moss on the lawn. Yeah, uh, we'll yeah, use we'll the zero for that if you yeah, if you have yeah, moss on the yeah. lawn. Um, but, but the, the lilac uh, tree. Yeah, so lilacs flower in springtime, as we know. And the time to prune them is immediately after flowering. So anything that flowers kind of April, May sort of period, you cut them back as soon as they, they stop flowering. So my advice really, don't feed it. It's going to go into dormancy. It'll drop its leaf now for the winter. So leave it alone until it comes into flower next spring and then give it a, a trimming back and give it a feed, a rose fertiliser or the Osmo Pro 6 again, a good tree and shrub fertiliser. And the pruning back helps to to thicken the plant out and, and I would be a big advocate of pruning young pl plants when they're young to get that shape, that multi-branch uh, shape on the plant. But the pruning of lilacs is done when the flowers fade. Okay, great. Now, um, somebody wondering why a white clematis didn't flower. They bought it last spring, plenty of healthy leaves on it. Well, it depends what, what variety it is. So, um, like, for example, you've got um, 
Clematis Montana Alba, which is a white flowering, uh, beautiful, fast growing Clematis that flowers in the springtime. So if you planted it, say, last spring or summer of this year, it's not going to come into flower until next year. Other varieties are winter flowering. Um, so there's a lovely one called Winter Beauty. I, I have it in my own garden and the buds are on it already. They're going to come into flower in about three weeks time. Mm. So some flower through the winter, some flower in the springtime, like Armandii, which again is a, a white flowering variety. So it depends what variety the listener has. I wouldn't worry about it. Leave it alone. Let's see what happens next spring. It may come into flower over the winter, depending on the variety, or it may come into flower in springtime for you. But don't go hacking it back. I would just leave it alone and let's see what happens. Okay. Somebody wondering, can they leave pots with tulips and daffodils in the shed and for how long they were planted this month? No, leave them outside. Leave them out in the... Harden in, them up. Yeah, because they need the moisture and they need the coldness. So don't don't put them in the green... in the, in the um, shed. Outside, I mean, what you're trying to mimic is outdoor conditions. You would normally put them into the ground. So pot up your pots of tulips and daffodils and leave them outside. Now, obviously, somewhere the wind is going to be knocking them about, but leave them out where the rain and the frost and the hardship gets them and they'll be perfectly fine. You don't need to protect them. It's as if they're in the ground. Okay. Um, We have somebody with geraniums in pots. They're blooming. Uh, Will they be okay to take indoors for the winter as they are? Well, you can do that, but you can do that, certainly. Um, You know, but uh, cuttings is probably a neater way to do it in in that they don't take up the same amount of space. But if you certainly want to save the mother plants, as it were, then take them, bring them inside, let them flower. When the flowers start to go off them, cut them back and keep them dry. Keep them relatively dry, obviously not bone dry. But geraniums over the winter, if you keep them too wet, they'll rot. So keep them semi-dry in a, in a bright sunny spot on a bright windowsill. And yeah, they'll be perfectly happy. Now somebody moved their Escalonia plants, but there are some roots left in the ground and they're wondering, will they grow again? No. Well, no. not if, unless there's a... Depends a lot of them. Yeah, if, there's a, if, there's, if it's just the roots and there's no stem, then there'll be no new growth. Those roots will just die away. So um, unless there's bits of stems left, then they will regrow. But no, they, they shouldn't reshoot. The roots won't reshoot on their own. Okay. Somebody is wondering um, on the WhatsApp org, what is the best uh, six or seven foot shrub with roots to fit in a deep pot that grows quickly for privacy? So I think we're, we want to grow a six or seven foot shrub in a pot for privacy. Well, you can you can actually buy, you can purchase instant hedging. In, in the pot. In the pot. You can get what what we call instant mature hedging, which are things like Fotini Red Robin or Portuguese Laurel or Grisolinia or Laurel, which has been grown on the nursery. It's literally six foot tall as we speak. It's been trimmed in shape. So generally they're a metre long troughs by two metre high plants. And all you need to do is put them side by side and they create an instant hedge as if it was there for the last six or seven years. Okay. So you can actually get them already mature. Right, ready and, to go. And quite, you know, a reasonable range, as I said, Escalonia, Grisolinia, Portuguese Laurel, Common Laurel, um, Fortinia Red Robin, all of those are available. It's instant mature plants. And could you plant them out then at a later point if yeah, you so if you, chose? Because they're in the pots, you can plant them at any stage, but you can also leave them in the pots. Now, you wouldn't want to leave them long term, but certainly you could, if you needed some instant privacy, Overnight, <laughs> it's, it's certainly it's a way of achieving it. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, great stuff. Um, just a couple more before we wrap up. Um, a couple of people wondering about lily flowers, Pork. What should they did they do with them for the winter? Well, most li- lilies are left in the ground. Um, it depends what variety they are. If they're the calla lilies or ar- arum lilies, just let the frost knock them back and just tidy them up. Then they're perfectly hardy mm. out of doors. If they're the oriental lilies, again, you know, if the ground is if it, the ground gets very very wet in winter, you kind of waterlogged then. I would certainly lift them and store them. But for most lilies, you can leave them perfectly fine in the
the ground. And when you're planting them, I do advocate putting plenty of grit or sand down with them to create that kind of good drainage because they're very fleshy and they can rot. Uh, but they're the more or- or- oriental lilies, the kind of scented lilies like stargazer and, um, you know, those ornamental yeah. Lilies, yeah, Madonna lilies. We laid we laid down some turf lawn two weeks ago and wondered what we need to do to help it along. Not a thing. Great stuff. That's that's what Just I like. Just sit back, yeah. <laughs> sit back let and nature enjoy take it. its course. Yeah. Don't uh, go feeding it. Don't go do anything with it. Like just let nature take its course. Okay. And suburbers. Okay. So we've f- a photograph in here. Yeah. Uh, the question is, morning. Just what, wondering, what's the name of this? Okay. I think. Yes. Yeah, so that's yeah. purple berberus, and it's a really easy plant to grow. Again, you'll get it in your local garden centre. Many different colours. You get purple forms. Just Atropapuria is just the common purple berberus. Or there's a lovely one called bagatelle, which has um, variegated leaves. So it's purple, but it's got variegated colours as well. So ask in your local garden centre. It's berberus. It's one of the easy plants to grow, but lovely purple leaves. Another lovely purple plant is a plant called Cotinus smokebush, which is beautiful at the moment. It's I've got, seen it. It's a lovely, lovely plant and mm. so easy to grow. So that's a nice one as well. It's got bigger leaves than the berberus, beautiful colour from spring, summer and autumn. It's that purple dillisk colour and then it turns a lovely orange colour at this time of year. Yeah, smoke I, bush. I have noticed, I've noticed that yeah, in, nice in the last couple of weeks. We're going to end, I think, probably on this one. Um, it's pear a pear tree yeah. and it's 20 years old, sky high. <laughs> and it has a wild creeper growing through oh, it that it. has taken over and there's a few photographs there. So, Well, you can prune it back if you want to bring it um, down. Again, this is the time of year to prune it back. I mean, whatever creeper is on it, it's hard to see, but... Um, you know, the creeper's competing with it and naturally the pear tree is is resisting that and growing tall and lanky. So try to get rid of the climber off the plant and then take two or three or four feet off the top of the pear tree and it'll rebranch again, multi-stemmed. It'll be, per, you know, next spring and, and um, you know, it, it, ne- it needs, it it needs to get rid of the competition, competition that's there. Right. Get needs, rid of the ivy. It needs to be given a bit of yeah, a chance. Yeah, it's been strangled. Okay. Yeah. Okay, we're going to have to leave it at that, I'm afraid. So, so that's it until March. Until March, and I see yeah. one or two texts already saying how much people are looking forward to ah, March. Already, yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to spending a bit of time in my own garden on a Saturday morning, so I'll be listening to your music. Will you? We'll have music <laughs> all the way until <laughs> yeah. 10 from next Saturday onwards. Listen, thanks indeed. Thanks, it's been thanks. a most enjoyable gardening season. And uh, to everybody as well for all your contributions and questions over the past number of months. Uh, Stand by coming up next here on Midwest Radio. It's Michael Neary with the very best in country and of course local news as well on the way after these. From me, for the moment, good morning to you.